0: Everything that we do is a collection of our own politic,
1: our own thoughts. You
0: are the political body. These body politics.
1: I think all dance is political. We can't really escape that.
0: I am quote unquote just a dancer.
1: And I was angry and I learned to harness my anger. And
0: that's what art is. Provoke action, thought, and a drive toward change.
1: That's kind of our role is to put the audience in a place where they have to think and they have to acknowledge.
0: These body politics.
1: Acknowledge the political body. Acknowledge the body politic. Welcome to Body Politic, the podcast that explores the intersection between performing arts and political activism. I'm your host, Courtney Colbiato, and this is episode two, part two of my conversation with Christopher Roman. In the second part of our conversation, Christopher discusses more deeply the issues surrounding seeing bodies as currency and discusses in depth why some performing artists have fear about performing political art or expressing their opinions, and how some dancers are contractually unable to become activists in their art. Lastly, Christopher offers some insight and suggestions about how to make the art that makes us move, not just physically, but emotionally, and as a community towards greater change. Beginning with a brief discussion of fear the performing artists experience when they consider pushing back against the paradigm that exists within performing arts is worth part two, episode two of Body Politic with my guest, Christopher Roman. Enjoy.
0: I don't begrudge those people who have fear. I'm not pointing the finger and saying you're wrong or bad for having that kind of fear at all. It's just that there is still fear because the system and the institution still has power. The training of dancers, especially ballet dancers, is this kind of obedience. There is always somebody in front of the room telling you, not good enough, not strong enough, not thin enough, not fast enough, not sharp enough. There's always somebody telling you you're wrong, always. And in that sense, there's uh, always insecurity and, First and foremost, insecurity about whether you're going to have a job next season or not. So if that plays a part in their decision making about how they can bring the company further in a mission to eradicate the ills of how ballet companies are run. I don't know what what can happen if it's not 100 percent of the dancers unifying and say, we stand 100 percent together. We're not intimidated and we're not afraid. And you have to submit to our grievances and what's gone wrong here cumulatively over the last 20 years.
1: There's a whole snowball of all these social issues that have pent up over the past few decades, right? Ballet is full of powerful white males who've come up among the ranks and think that their artistry or talent is enough to get them off the hook.
0: That's right. Um, Maybe I'm bucking the system against the patriarchy, um, but... um, I don't find myself in positions where I'm going to be tested by the patriarchy in that sense. But at this point, I don't care because enough is enough. There is so much homophobia, so much abuse and sexual misconduct against women in the field that uh, uh, maybe it's just time to just start pushing back, win or lose. It just doesn't feel like much is progressing in that
1: vein. Disappointing doesn't cover it. No, Um, It's abhorrent, and and it's all too frequent. I think you're right. The whole community, everyone, 100% has to push back and and speak about it. Because personally, I don't think I know a single female or male individual who hasn't dealt with sexual harassment or worse as as a dancer or even non-dancers. There is this element of it just happens. So Mm. sort of like, you know, be thankful you have a job, just deal with it. It's part of being human. But I think as humans, we're better than that. The purpose of of this podcast is to help artists figure out ways to mobilize together for issues that we are passionate about. And clearly, we're all passionate about what you call the body politic, which I think is a great way to explain it. Because what does happen to our bodies and to dancers? And how do we educate audiences to not support ageism or sexism? Because the audiences will continue to go to the ballet and buy tickets as long as there are performances. And I think more than educating the dancers, it's educating the audience and then the global audience about what is and what is not okay. I mean, money speaks. We're way off topic at this point, but I like where we're going. So how do you think dancers could mobilize audiences to help us make this shift around the way we see bodies and objectify performers in general?
0: Just make the work that speaks to them. You, you have to bite the bullet and make the hard work. I just saw last night, and here in Germany, I am once again privileged beyond belief. I was at uh, the opening of a thing called the Frankfurter Positionen, And it really is an active, sort of a a liberal democratic way of representing the ills of the world and representing them through fine arts, through dance, uh, through music. And they commission works that are um, specific to, let's say, injustices in the world or um, crises or the nationalist uh, populist wave, for instance. Last night, I saw a piece um, from uh, Leah Rodriguez, which was astounding. It was unbelievable. There were um, nine Brazilians, um, mostly from the favelas, on stage in this hour and 15 minute long piece that was this nonstop, gorgeous representation of who they are, where they come from, with these glimpses and these images of colonialism, um, uh, also representations of what it was in earlier times in Brazil and in South America, and people were kings and queens, and they had a royal representation, but it was just this richness of sadness of uh slavery of a feeling of despondence of a feeling of frustration and grief and all of it in an hour and 15 minutes and there's this one tableau morphing into another that just knocked the wind out of me and this woman and those dancers made this work and it it impacted me and the audience so much that it, it propels you out of your seat to say enough enough I'm not going to represent the things that keep pushing these agendas of nationalism and populism forward, keep pushing the agendas of racism and xenophobia forward and this anti-immigration sentiment forward. I'm, I'm not going to be part of it anymore, and I'm going to do whatever I can through my art making, through my alliances to push that forward. And that's what art is. There's a direct and clear, gorgeous, majestic awe-striking representation of of life to be transmitted to an audience to then provoke action, thought, and a drive toward change, a drive toward understanding, and a drive toward the common uh, understanding of what the human condition is. Search in your heart what it is you need to say and find the resources to say it. I know that Leah Rodriguez didn't have a whole lot of support in her entire career. It's only now that she's gaining prominence and she's 63 years old and she finally garnered a ton of support for this this piece that I saw, Furia, uh, last night, but she was dedicated and she did it. Jonathan Burroughs and Matteo Fargian, two heterosexual white guys, mid- middle aged, balding, <laughs> heterosexual white guys. Their whole career was based on the need to do what they were doing without a lot of resources. And over a bottle of wine and a kitchen table, they made most of their work. They weren't immediately or necessarily embedded in this idea of funding, 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 and big spaces and large productions. They created a huge body of work in their kitchen because they didn't have a whole lot of resources. And that's something that's also struck me, that it doesn't necessarily need to be institutional, that, that if, if you have the desire and need to do this work, you can find any way to do it. Everybody has a different way of doing things, and, ev- and each person has different means um, with which to do it. It's just that you have to seek out those means actively um, with a clear vision and precision and rigor and go for it with blood, sweat and tears, period. That's the only way things get done. I have run across in my career a lot of people who have just had things kind of given to them, which I mm-hmm. um, I, I tend to resent, but I've tried to let go of that so that I don't become bitter. But I'd say the large, large portion of anybody who has great success is because you worked for it. And that's, that's, that's it.
1: I think you're absolutely right. Um, And and this can be our last long question, because I know you have a show to get to. I think the combination, at least here in America, um, because I didn't grow up in Europe, finding the nerve, I think, to make the work is a challenge, and then putting it out there. So I think that is what what we need to encourage dancers to do. So if you could speak to that in our last moment, like how could a dancer or anybody just create work? I mean, we create work in our kitchen. I love that idea. And then where are the outlets that we go to, to have this work shown? We have the internet, I guess we could do YouTube. We could mobilize on Instagram live. There's so many options, but for performers who tend to be, I think like me, a big picture person where I see the final product before I get to the process, what do you think are some cement steps we could offer to our listeners who might want to just bite the bullet and create the work, find a new way of moving and a new way of communicating to educate a new audience to yeah. change this paradigm?
0: Well, this is... And this is- something that I'm working on, and i it's a really hard question to answer. It really it is. Was, I wish I could be super, super inspirational. No, it's
1: very broad.
0: <laughs> I mean, I had uh, an hour and a half uh, mentor session with the students uh, last year from Holland's and because I am the curator and organizer there and part of the um, the program, I read everybody's feedbacks. Uh, but uh, one comment, uh, several comments uh, were, you know, Christopher seems so insecure with his place um, in, in alignment with his relationship with William Forsyth. And I'm so glad that I was never attached to a big legendary choreographer um, that would uh, stifle me. And Christopher should really realize the things that he has and uh, be confident. And that's not at all what I felt like I was saying in that feedback round. I was just saying that because of this affiliation, it's very difficult, and because of how prolific that affiliation was and the creations that we, that we made over 20 years, I find it hard to tap into where my voice is based on all that information to be able to then create something um, new. And that's basically what I was saying. And then in the world, go out and then not be immediately compared or criticized for being a foresight, let's say, apostle and um, that's already been done in the past. I struggle with that. It's not that I'm not confident, but um, by the same token, perhaps those those, um, people were right with what they wrote. Maybe I just need to pull up my socks and go forward and just trust my instinct whether I'm gonna be compared to that or not. So my point in expressing that or saying that is to say, you just gotta pull up your socks and use your resources. The things that I have gotten in my career have been because of hard work and because of my associations. I was lucky enough um, through hard work to get um, a job at Pacific Northwest Ballet and then audition and get a job at Miami City Ballet and then audition and get a job at Le Grand Ballet Canadien and Pennsylvania Ballet and then the Frankfurt Ballet and then the Forsyth Company. Um, I worked hard to get to those points, but through those associations, through that background I was able then to pitch my ideas to people that would listen, call up the person that I just did a production for and say, do you have studio space? And then be able to get a week or two for free because of my association. And because I, I try to stay as professional and kind and generous with my resources as possible and give back where I've gotten. I I feel like everybody just needs to be kind to one another so that that you can keep those relationships intact, so you can ask. um, I could ask my Anna Marie's dance studio where I started my dancing for Mm -hmm. a studio for two weeks if I wanted to. It doesn't matter where or from whom, but because I still have a relationship with her 35 years later, I could call her up and say, can I have the studio for uh, three hours a day for me to make a piece? And I know she would say yes. Yes. It's just use, use your surroundings, use your context, use, use what you have and use what you know, and um, stop being fearful. Uh, I maybe use too many excuses to fall back on that disallow me from becoming a, a, the kind of choreographer that at one point in my life I might have envi- envisioned. And so, so for others to not make that m- mistake, believe in your possibilities, believe that maybe... You might repeat the things that you did in association with someone else, but that's okay. Um, they were yours at one point. In terms of the Forsyth um, world, um, Bill gave us all platform to make things with him. And without that platform and without his dramaturgical um, points of departure, I don't believe that I would have come up with some of the things that were valuable to the processes without that. But if I reappropriate them, I have to know that I had a huge part in their their making, and if I do reappropriate those things to use them again, I need to repurpose them in a way that is 100% me and not 70% me and 30% foresight. So it's about repurposing things too. So that's all I can say, is be confident with your own voice. If you feel in your gut that you're actually gonna be crazy enough to, jump into this field where there's hardly any money, hardly any, uh, in, well, in the large sense of things, because there is money, that's another fallacy. But um, you've gotta know that you're jumping in for all the right reasons, because you've got a voice and it has to be heard. And so don't deny that voice, listen to it, find the connections that you trust, find the connections that you know will, will come through for you, Utilize those connections no, no matter how big or small. Ask for help from people who know better than you and how to uh, apply for things. Get on the internet and see what's available to you for, for, for help, sponsorship, for uh, applying for money. And, uh, and go for it. That's where I find myself right now. I'm doing those things. I'm asking for help at 48 years old. I am looking for the applications that pertain to the interests that I have right now. And I'm reaching out to anybody that I can, that I respect, trust, and love uh, in the efforts toward my goals. Um, And this is important for me to say, it's not just about my end game. It has always been about finding a, a situation where I can be proactive in my field. And once I establish that, I will be as generous as I humanly can about giving back. My whole reason for grounding salt is to share the privilege that I have had, the accumulation of of experience that I have had to be able to give it back so that others can gain understanding, knowledge, and experience toward their own greater experience. And uh, even with something like Holland's, where it's a three-week opportunity for me to run a curation, I have called on and solicited the support of great friends, artists, and colleagues to help illuminate that. And I have the luxury of a budget to be able to pay those people well, to be able to give the dancers in the the program the greatest possible curation that I have the ability in my hands to give through those those, uh, associations. And so this is not necessarily just about me and what I want to gain and have my name on a plaque or the side of a building at some point. I want none of that. I want to be able to work together and collaborate and and share what I have uh, gained with others and then also continue to collect more information and experience um, for my own knowledge to then redisseminate.
1: I mean, I I love it. As a person, a human in general, and as a dancer, you hopefully never stop learning. Um, Absolutely not. And especially for our young dancers who might be listening. I had a conversation with April Daly, who is yes. principal at the Joffrey. You know, yep. April? Ballet, yeah. Yeah, she's lovely. Yeah. But her point to our young dancers in a and a was just don't, Don't burn bridges. Just be kind because you'll never know who you'll need or come back to in the future. The dance world is smaller than the size of a dime. And I'm running into dancers after even taking 10 years off that I I trained with when I was 12 years old at the Colorado Ballet.
0: The idea of burning bridges is a tricky um, uh, idea for me, especially when we're talking about activism, because someone is Mm -hmm. maybe the bridge might not be burnt, but the person may be. Um, right. I You've got to stick to your guns. You do. You have to listen. and You have to be, um, let's say, counseled with um, colleagues, friends, peers, family, if there's something really big that you feel like you need to be an advocate for or, um, or stand against. And I, I really feel um, when you make that commitment to do it, you've got to be prepared to make some, let's say, enemies. Um, but I, and I would just do it in the most loving and kind way to say that I'm not doing this to be against you. I'm doing this to have better situations for everybody else. Um, it's, uh, those, those lines have to be clearer. And uh, you cannot be an activist and stand for something without potentially alienating some people, offending other people. Uh, some of my relationships have not ended well, but I have tried my best to communicate um, with the words in my at my disposal, what what is not okay in mm-hmm, the situation, mm-hmm. and why it's not okay, and why I've, and how it could be better, and if they don't agree, I need to press. I need to go on, and I had to move on. I in some circumstances don't believe I was treated fairly, and the entire project, not because of my personal treatment, but the project then suffered. I let it be known in the most diplomatic and professional way possible, but we couldn't see eye to eye and uh, we couldn't move forward. And I then had to make the decision to, to say goodbye It's hard, especially when you invest so much of your time, energy, network, uh, experience and love and creativity into a situation. And I, in some cases, am still recovering from some of those associations. And that's the price you have to pay for really sticking to what's important to you and be in representation of of those things that you're passionate about. You have to walk the walk.
1: And not be afraid of what you might lose.
0: That's right. In favor
1: of, of gaining or helping or aiding or spreading the message Absolutely. that is more important and
0: i'm not you know i'm i am human there are things i still come up against where um if i don't take this job i might not be able to pay my my rent this month um, um i would really rather not do it you've got you come up with those moral and ethical um dilemmas in your career in your life and uh you've gotta weigh out the the pros and the cons of everything and uh i can't say that a hundred percent of all my actions or decision making is is uh, a full representation of total idealistic uh, thinking that I wish to represent. Uh, I wish I could be more that way. I'm making uh, efforts to be that in my life, but uh, sometimes I've, I've got bills to pay.
1: Right. Or but more- at the end of the day, you're you're making the work, right?
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm you're I'm, still I'm,
1: taking your stand.
0: And I'm trying and I'm trying to create things that um, allow others to make the work too, so that we have more of symbiosis, more. Um, possibilities for one another to, um, yeah, to to be better, to be inclusive, to represent the art form at its best.
1: You're doing such important work and I'm so excited to see where Salt Company goes. I can't wait to see it launch.
0: Let's see. I'm I'm chopping my fingers. It'll it'll be slow going, but project to project, every small project that I, I, I manage to get done, hopefully is, a, is another step in the right direction for um, the illumination of salt so that it can be um, a wider network of people um, being supported somehow. If if any of your listeners have money to contribute to the new Deborah Hay production for her retrospective at Tonsum August in Berlin, give me a call. We're still looking for funding. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'll put a link in the podcast notes for sure so you can get in touch and, and donate generously. to Christopher Roman and Deborah Hay. Thank you, Christopher, so much. Do you have any closing notes you'd like to share with listeners?
0: I I just, I feel like we all need to come together. I feel like these days of being a ballet dancer versus a modern dancer, or this versus that, dance is dance is dance. And if you are truly invested in the field of dance and being a dancer, you want to put your nose in every kind of dance possible so that you can say that I'm an expert in the field of dance. And in that cross-pollination, we get to know each other more, and we get to know that we're all the same, and we get to know that we're all in mutual need of support of one another, and we get to know that all of the same crap that happens in a ballet company happens in a contemporary company happens in the freelance field. And if we are all coming together to fight against those things and in support of one another, it will be so much easier. I am working toward that in my own tiny, 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 tiny speck of dust corner of the world. And uh, I encourage everybody else to do the same. And uh, I, I want nothing more than everybody to have their passions realized through dance and bring people closer together through the art of dance and realize that we are all just one.
1: Thank you for listening to Body Politic. Again, I'm your host, Courtney Cogliato. And please join me next time when I have Ashley McQueen, Artistic Director of Smash Works Dance, based in New York City, discussing her evening-length work, For Which It Stands. Um, you know, we had this toilet plunger. I was like, God, what am I going to do? And, you know, and so I had this vision on the train of, you know, classical music or something and just Trump's words, Trump's voice overlaid and just this plunger. Ashley is part of the new generation of choreographers and dancers who are unapologetically political in their work. The first time I saw for which it stands in its entirety in St. Louis, I was mesmerized and I couldn't wait to have her on the podcast to discuss how she so clearly married her ideas of political activism, feminism and dance and performing art into a full evening work that touches everybody in some way what dance can do for the community outside of just this proscenium setting. If you're intrigued, join us for episode three. A huge thank you to Christopher Roman, to you, the listeners, to Holland's University and sponsor Byron Green. Tune in next time to Body Politic, the intersection of performing arts and political activism. Music credits go to Incompetech.com and composer Kevin McLeod.